0: Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Varelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the US version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary in Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere.
3: Sounds like it could be funny.
0: Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back.
3: Look, look, they're here. Now we can start. What a show we have for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview is magician, comedian. You know him from America's Got Talent. The Penn and Teller Show Fool Us. And he has a residency at the Flamingo Hotel in Las Vegas. It's Piff the Magic Dragon, John Vanderputt. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join our conversation. And our superfan shout-out is from my friend Steve in Tennessee. Say hi to Steve, everybody. Hello, Steve. Steve Steve-O, how you doing, man? Steve, Phil sends his best. We're going to hear from him in a little bit. And Steve sent us a very nice email. Uh, If they want to get a hold of us, where do they go?
4: The Adam Ferrara at Gmail.
3: Yeah. And in the email, uh, he said he uh, he made a choice to uh, to make his life better. And uh, after listening to our show, uh, our show helped him make that choice. Oh. That's good. I guess he figured, I don't want to be like those idiots.
4: <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't but know. But it's I'm na- glad that we could
3: help. Yeah. It's nice to be of service to others. Mm-hmm. And I hope this choice works out for Steve. But you won't know until you're looking back. And that's what I want to talk about today. You don't
5: know how the dots connect until you're looking back. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It makes more sense looking backwards than, uh, than it does when you're trying to discern what's going on in the moment, I think. Yeah. If that didn't happen then this didn't happen, if that didn't happen then this didn't
3: yes. happen, then look look where it led me to, right?
4: I call it a fun little game. I call it a fun little game. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I, I call it life and it's killing me. So <laughs> I really wish I look, I'm going to end up there. It's fine. I don't have to worry. Nah, it doesn't play that way. You know, I, I got to suffer through this and have faith. <laughs> this this is what my wife tells me. You don't have trust in the universe. I go, you bet your ass I don't, lady. Have you seen this universe? <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. Do you see the friggin' people in it, for God's sake? Adam, what if I just pay you one day to have trust? Will that work? Honey,
3: please. How much?
4: <laughs> you trust the Benjamins, don't you?
3: I tell you what, we do a little cash deal under the table when no one's uncle's got to get involved. Maybe we can work something out. <laughs> but yeah, so you don't you you got to trust that all these uh, these coincidences or synchronicities, which mm-hmm. is a, uh, a, a a a meaningful coincidence, according to Carl Young. I was talking to Marcus Stern over the weekend. Cause you know, when I call up Mark, I go, we want to talk about football, baseball. How about a Swiss psychoanalyst? How about that? We talk about that. <laughs> we'll
5: call you Spin the wheel. See what comes up.
3: Oh, it's yeah. Carl Jung today. Carl <laughs>
4: Better you Mark than me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll jump on that grenade for you. Sure. So here's where I'm going with all this. I had uh, a phone call with one uh, Phil Tagler ferry. He of the high seas. He, he of the high seas. seas yes. And uh, he had an incident that, that that seems to have a bunch of coincidences lining
5: up and and he I'll play it for you. I,
1: you remember when I made the kids cry? <laughs> <laughs>
5: well, it's good to see things are going well for him out there.
3: Yeah, yeah. So he, he this, this, is the phone call. You remember when I made the kids cry? I'm going, what? Yeah, and then, then he explains it to me. Which time? <laughs> <laughs>
1: what the? What the what, there was one time. <laughs> it was the Nickelodeon cruise. I, I was, I was following SpongeBob and all the Nickelodeon characters. And I was in the bathroom before I went on and I saw a sponge. I thought it'd be funny to go out with a piece of sponge. And I said, I got in a fight with SpongeBob. All
3: right.
1: But I didn't know there were Make-A-Wish kids in the audience. They cried. They, 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 were, they were very
5: upset. <laughs> you, so funny. you upset Make-A-Wish kids. <laughs> What's he saying? I got in a fight with SpongeBob and I, I ripped him to, for, to shreds? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: then I had to go apologize. What happened? Yeah, a cruise director calls me up. He's like, "You got to get down here right now to the conference room. Everybody's down here. They're devastated." I'm like, "Devastated." <laughs> what are you about? Was a joke? It was a sponge? You got to be shitting me. So I go down to the conference room. There they are. The whole Make a Wish. The kids just crying. The mothers are standing there, staring at me with the stink eye. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Give me that video, all kind of tisk tisk. They're tisking at you. Yeah, They're tisking. They were tisking.
4: <laughs> yeah. I would just tisk him. You would tisk him. Yes. <laughs> I feel better. What do you tell me all the time, Adam? Read the room.
5: Yeah, read the room. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the idea of having to read a prepared statement for all the kids. Yeah. <laughs> SpongeBob and I are great friends. I would never do anything in my life to harm him. I never meant for this to happen. <laughs> Long live the
3: sponge! <laughs> right, yes. So here's the apology.
1: I was like, "Hi, you know, so sorry. It's, what do you do? Well, think you apologize? Yeah, you bought the sponge. <laughs> you bought the sponge. The cruise director said, "Do you know where the sponge? He told me to go get the go get the sponge." <laughs> <laughs> oh god! The sponge wasn't really SpongeBob. Fuck. Okay. Yeah, so I had to go fight so I went so I found the sponge and went back. I said, see, it's just a regular sponge. It wasn't really SpongeBob." And they're six years old. They don't know.
3: <laughs> he had to go get the sponge and make his case to
4: crying children. Oh, Phil. God, yeah. I love you, man. I don't even know what to say, Adam. I mean, where is this going? Okay. All right. So back this this
3: is where it's going. The reason this came up again was uh because of the cruise line reinstating Phil. Here, hold on.
1: Agent calls me up, and she's trying to get me back in with that cruise line. She goes, you want to work the cruise line? I said, yeah. She goes, uh, was there an incident? <laughs> I'm like, oh, what? When they were kids, Make-A-Wish. I went, what? She, I went, oh, my God. What, what is that stamped to my record? Jesus.
4: So, so it's on yeah. his record now. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's on his permanent record. <laughs> And when they told us that in school, I thought it was all bullshit. Apparently, it's following <laughs> Phil. Phil has a permanent record. <laughs> right? It's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Phil's in the middle of this. So we don't know where it's going. He's right. just got to fo- follow the steps. Right? So I tried to direct the universe to give Phil a good outcome. Yeah, listen to this. <laughs> Look, Phil, you tell me this all the time. Maybe this is a sign, a sign that you are not meant to be on that ship. Yeah, maybe you're right. Say? I think you're, you're destined for, for bigger and better things, my friend. You should be on a Disney cruise. It's nice, yeah. Yeah. Make those kids cry. You'll show them.
1: fuck oh, <laughs> <thank> you.
3: <laughs> so, listen, if Phil ends up on a Disney cruise, then we know I have the power to
5: direct the future. Wow, that's a, that's a big weight on your shoulders, now. Yeah.
3: Now the only thing yeah. we got to figure out is how can we cash it? Yeah, I was going to say, how do we monetize that? Is I've- this...
4: I was going to think the other way, Adam. What? Now you're going to be blamed when he does make the kids cry by Disney.
3: No, nah, I'm not going to be blamed by Disney. I got, I got, I got a great defense. Are you kidding? Call Nickelodeon people. See what he did to them.
5: He's, He's got a history. <laughs>
3: All right. You people didn't vet him properly. Don't blame me. SpongeBob's family has a civil suit pending. All you got.
2: You know. <laughs>
4: what do you need to say huh (laughs) you guys suck at vetting
3: (laughs) so so let's hope this story ends well for phil he's on a disney cruise and children are well addressed in their adulthood after this unfortunate incident let's hope that that works out
5: yeah yeah let's hope everyone's okay
3: Yeah. yeah but the reason i wanted to bring it up is uh John Vanderputt, that we also know as Piff the Magic Dragon, had a bunch of coincidences happen that brought him to where he is now. And in this interview, you're going to see how all those pieces line up. So you guys listen to this, and we will see you on the other side.
1: Carl Jung believed that synchronicity is an ever-present reality for those who have eyes to see.
5: You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. Because believing that the dots will connect down the road will give you the confidence to follow your heart,
3: even when it leads you off the well-worn path.
1: You remember when I made the kids cry?
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 Minutes You'll Never Get Back
0: That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why.
3: Hey, come see me on the road. I'll make you laugh. July 1 and 2, I will be at Cobb's Comedy Club in San Francisco. July 8th and 9th, I'll be at McGuire's Comedy Club in Bohemia, Long Island. July 10th, I will be at Soul Joel's Comedy Club in Jefferson, Pennsylvania. And July 22nd and 23rd, I'll be back at Uncle Benny's Comedy Club in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. There's a link for tickets right here in the show notes, as well as a link to t-shirts and my YouTube special. So please check it out. And if you can make any of these gigs, please come up and let me shake your hand. And thank you for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast. All right, go on. Get
1: out of here. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't
3: listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting. It's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is...
1: Oh, look, a bird!
3: My guest this week is a comedian, magician, and mythical beast. You know him from America's Got Talent, the Penn & Teller show Fool Us. He has toured with Mumford & Sons, and he has a residency at the Flamingo Hotel in Las Vegas. He's performed gospel magic when he was a kid... He is assisted by Mr. Piffles, which is a chihuahua in a dragon costume as well. And he is currently teamed up with world-renowned golden voice clown Puddle's Pity Party for their 19-city tour called Misery Loves Company. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Piff the Magic Dragon, John Vanderput. How are you, my friend? Hello. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. Good to see you. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. I um, question for you, gospel magic struck me when you were a
6: kid. That's what you want to start with. All right, let's I, do it. That's that's. I mean, we could start with anywhere. Like you know, let's was your mother a dragon? Magic. We could start there. But no, let's start with the gospel magic. Do you know what gospel magic is? I do not. That's why I'm asking you, my friend. Oh my god! It's uh, using using magic to preach the gospel. Okay. But unfortunately, the magic tends not to be that great. So it's like <laughs> this this green handkerchief represents uh, the blood of Jesus. Right. This uh white handkerchief represents the Holy Spirit, mix them together and you get a blue handkerchief which uh represents um some sort of horrifically uh trite analogy. So uh, it's, <laughs> Okay. That was how I started magic. That was that was my way in. I was uh I I grew up as an evangelical Christian.
3: mm mm-hmm. Okay, and you still were doing gospel now was gospel magic your idea or was it taught to you by, by the the handkerchief priest? How did you
6: it was the handkerchief priest. Okay. <laughs> it was my, fr- I had these friends who did gospel magic. Oh, okay. I was doing regular magic at the time. Right. And I wanted to like learn more magic. So the people, the only people I knew who did magic were these gospel magicians. Uh-huh. So I went and hung out with them. Watch me sort this sinner in half. Exactly. Okay. So magic was first. Yeah, magic was first. I grew up as, um, when, I, when I grew up, I used to play a lot of card games with my friends and I learned how to cheat a- at card games, mm-hmm. and a lot of those same techniques is what you use for magic. Right. So uh, magic came first, and then the problem was, is that when I would do magic, I would like I would like roast people a little bit. Right. And uh, that's not what you want when you have a wedding. <laughs> you know, you don't want some dickhead coming up at you <laughs> ripping the shit out of you while you're about to get married. A- I actually got uh, I got fired from a wedding once. This guy came up to me and he was like, "What is What's your problem?" And I was like, "Nothing. It's just my face. I've got resting bitch face." <laughs> right. Okay. And he was like, "You're like the Eeyore of magic." And then he fired me because <laughs> he, he was the groom. He was the groom. And yeah. the grooms. Well, uh, let me ask you this.
3: I'll be honest with you. God God bless you for working. And I don't begrudge anybody to celebrate any way they want. But I have a wedding. What should we have? Should we have a band, a DJ? I know, a magician. How does that, how do you dance to a magician?
6: What what goes through these people's heads when they're like, I know what I need. I need to be uh, confused by a, a small adolescent human. While I'm celebrating the happiest day of my life.
3: Yeah, that, that, that's what I don't understand, but God bless them. You don't there's need a, a magician. Lot, there's, a,
6: there's a lot of waiting around in weddings, and I guess, you know, it's something to do, isn't it? All right. yeah. The weird thing about doing weddings is you have to sell yourself like you're a canapé. <laughs> you, have to be like, you have to be like, hey, uh, book me to make your wedding unforgettable. Mm-hmm. You know, the champagne is like $15 a head, but the magic is only $5 a head. What do you think they're going to remember more? Yeah. Usually the champagne, because they'll be blasted. <laughs> but like magic is, a, magic is a service industry. It's not really show business. Right.
3: I never it's thought of it of, that
6: way. A lot of corporate entertaining and a lot of, uh, a lot of um, walking around restaurants trying uh-huh. to interrupt people for a living.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Did you have your love of magic? Was it, was it taught to you or something you observed? Was there magic in your family?
6: No. no, nobody in my family is in show business at all.
3: Okay, so where did you do you remember your first uh, your first awareness of wow that's cool I'd like to
6: do that? I remember the opposite. I remember going, "What the hell are these people doing?" <laughs> because when you look at magic, it's just like the most bizarre world. Like you get these guys pretending to have these uh, mythical powers and then using them to find the four of spades.
3: Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I used it's to not- love. I think we have a mutual friend or oh, we did have a mutual friend, the amazing Jonathan.
6: Yeah, he just passed away sadly.
3: He yeah, sadly passed away, but uh I always liked him and we did our. I did my first special with him. The Comedy Central had their first rounds of specials and it was me, amazing Jonathan, Andy Kindler and a couple other guys. So we shot I think we shot on the same night and uh I just loved his approach to it because he was just he was just taking the piss out of all of it, you know.
6: Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh you know, I think it's difficult to take yourself too seriously as a magician. Yeah. Hence why uh a magic dragon makes as much sense as Chris Angel. <laughs> yes,
3: oh we're going to get to the dragon part, but I wanted to start at the beginning because you were doing magic and then you got ill as a child. Uh you had a, an acute pancreatitis. You were studying um computer science because your parents were like, "Look, yeah, right. we do not we don't know how a blue handkerchief represents Jesus. Maybe you need something to fall back on."
6: Exactly. They said, "Go to university, then you can do whatever you like afterwards." Mm-hmm. Okay. So I went to university, got a computer science degree, uh, which I'd never used, mm-hmm. and and then yeah, I got this. I started like getting these stomach pains, and suddenly I had pancreatitis for four years. Mm-hmm. So I kept not dying every every three months. It's a it's pretty brutal that thing.
3: Mm-hmm. But then it said in the article I read, it said you had to make a choice. Do you have any recollection of of how that choice came about?
6: Well, the first choice I had to make was i had i had this uh in the end I had an operation mm-hmm. to um where well they re they 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 rearranged some of my organs inside <laughs> uh so that was the thing that saved my life when I was younger mm-hmm. so, and then after that I was like well I've been so busy doing all this stuff that i was um that was you know like getting the backup career and getting the getting a degree and, and I was like, I've never really tried to make a living of the thing that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I went out there and started working as a magician full time. And it was a disaster. (laughs) Yeah. I read you went to Vegas and the show closed. (laughs) Oh yeah. But that's, that happened after things started getting good. Oh wait
3: a minute, so let's go back to the disaster. Let me ask you this. You just yeah. des- you decide to do it full time. Are your parents supportive yeah. of that? I-, I just picture Mr. and Mrs. Dragon laying in bed at night going, it's it's his dream. I don't care. I want him to be I want him to have some security. He's a dragon. Exactly. Let him live his life. You know, I just Let didn't him.
6: Right. They were less like, uh, you know, we hatched him from such a young age and we raised him. <laughs> uh yeah, I, I did it. And I was just all aw- because most of it in England, most of it was like this sort of like turning up to restaurants and doing card tricks at the side of a table. Uh-huh. And yeah, I mean, like, I'll give you an example of how bad it was. I went up to this couple and I said, Hey, do you want to, you know, I'm the magician here. Do you want to see a card trick? And the guy was like, my wife just asked me for a divorce. Do you, really, do you really think I want to see some fucking magic? And I was like, well, no, I guess half your house just disappeared. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, there's that. You got, you got to be able to read the room, John.
6: Yeah, exactly. And that was something I was never able to do when I was <laughs> just a regular John. Right. So, okay, so you things, how did things
3: get good, and how did you get to Vegas before the show closed?
6: <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, first thing was I went to a costume party, And I said to my sister, I need a costume to wear. And she said, i got a dragon outfit under my bed. Now, I asked no more questions. (laughs) Good smart man. I was like, okay, let's just accept that for what it is. Uh, I said, okay, can I borrow your dragon outfit? And I did. Walked across London in this dragon outfit. Arrived at the party. No one else was in costume. It was just me.
3: Just you. Okay. Yeah.
6: Were you set up
3: uh, or just did you misread the invitation?
6: No, they said, oh, you know, we thought it was a little bit childish. So we decided to not wear costumes. And I was like, well, you could have told me. Right. Yeah. Just walked across London. You could have at least done the polite thing and told me. (laughs) So I go to this party and there the whole night I'm drinking red wine in the corner, being being appropriately bitch faced. Right. At this point, you know, for the one time in my life. And one of my friends comes up to me. And she says, "You know, you could do this in your act. You could be puffed a magic dragon." I was like, "Wait a second! I could be puffed a magic dragon." You might have heard of my older brother, Steve. <laughs> I was like, "That's not a bad joke." I wonder if I could base an entire career on that. Right. And uh, it took me about six months to give it a go. And as soon as I gave it a go, everything clicked because I'd spent all these years like working as a magician, so I had like the skill and I had the material. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just didn't have the the lens, yeah. And needed to put my dickhead uh, personality through. And as soon as I did it, my friends were like, "Oh, this is great! Because before you were just a dickhead. Now you're <laughs> a dickhead in a dragon outfit. This is hilarious."
3: <laughs> so yeah, you needed a delivery system. Exactly. Yeah. Let me ask you: putting on the in the did it? Ch- how did it change your performance? Did you have a little bit more freedom because you're wearing a dragon costume?
6: it's very difficult to punch down when you're wearing a dragon costume.
3: Right, that's true.
6: You know, so it meant that everything I was saying before uh, was somewhat softened by the fact that people didn't have to take me that seriously. Mm -hmm. You know, before I used to wear like a suit and tie, I looked like a, uh, you know, some sort of like hedge fund analyst. Right, And uh, it was a bit like, why is this guy insulting me? And then as soon as 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 it's a magic dragon insulting me, it's like, great. You know, I I, I used to have to go to these gigs. I used to do these like corporate mix and mingles. Mm -hmm. So for, you know, for a bunch of like real estate people or a bunch of mortgage brokers, they'd hire me to walk around the room and do card tricks while people are having cocktail hour. And I was awful at it. I was just like standing in the corner, like just... Trying to find the canopies, and then as soon as I started doing it in a dragon outfit, people would come up to me and they say, "What? What are you doing?" Right. And I'd be like, "None of your business." <laughs> and then they were like, "No, seriously, why are you here?" And I said, "You don't want to. You, you don't want to talk to me." And then uh, I had people begging me to perform. Uh huh. So it worked out. It worked out pretty well. None of it was intended. Right. Well, then, and then, how did you get uh, to Vegas? So I did a show. Here's a weird thing about Vegas. Uh, I, was, I was seeing this girl for a long time. That's and... not a weird thing in Vegas. No, this is in, this is in the UK.
3: Oh, I don't think it's a weird thing in the UK either, but go ahead.
6: It's going to get weird. <laughs> so all my life, I was like, there's no, you know, the idea of a Vegas magician was so far away from what I was doing uh-huh. or imagined that I would ever be doing. So I've seen this girl and her parents hate me, just hate me, but we keep seeing each other. So eventually I'm like, we, I should sit down and talk to this, to the mother and, and see if I can straighten things out a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I sit down and I say, look, it's going pretty well between, uh, me and your daughter. Um, I may be here sometime. Maybe we should learn how to get on. Okay. And she said to me, well, the thing is, we feel like you're going to you're going to get more and more successful. You're going to land a show in Vegas. You're going to move countries and you're going to break our daughter's heart. And I said to them, if I can promise you one thing, it's that I would never, ever have a show in Las Vegas. I mean, look at me. I'm a guy in a dragon outfit. How is that going to work in the land of David Copperfield? And then, you know, cut till ten years later, and everything they said came true. <laughs> okay, it was brutal. I was, oh shit, she was right. Whoops. Have
3: now. I have to ask: Did you apologize?
6: I have. I haven't yet said uh, that uh, you were you were correct. But then I didn't break her daughter's heart. Oh, you didn't. Oh, had what? No. Did she not go with you? No, she we she decided that she liked the UK, and I decided that uh, it was time to leave. Okay. Because. England doesn't really take magic as seriously as America. Mm-hmm. You know, America has a place for, uh, you know, the the ridiculous shirts and the and the wind machines. Yeah. Uh, England, it's not so much. Okay. So I realised that America was the place if I wanted to um, to take the next step as a magician. And at the time, I did a show called Pan and Tell Foolus." which is where they get these magicians from all over the world to come do a magic trick in front of Penn and Teller and Penn and Teller have to try and figure out how it's done. Mm-hmm. And if you fool them, then you win a trophy and if you don't, you go home empty handed. So I do this thing and uh, I don't fool them. I, I go on it. Every Everyone's all excited. Uh, I'm funny on this show, but I don't fool them. So I leave and I think, oh, well I just failed. That was it, it's over. Mm -hmm. There's no, you know, that was just one of those things that another missed opportunity. So it comes out on a Saturday night at 8 p.m. on the equivalent of like NBC. uh, And everything blows up, my phone blows up, my emails, my Twitter, everything just goes crazy. And uh, turns out that as a magic dragon, it's much better to lose uh, than it is to to succeed at things. <laughs> everyone, everyone just loved the fact that I was on it, didn't really give a shit, and went down in flames. <laughs> so that was like my first big break on uh, TV, and there was a producer watching that, and I was in Australia doing a show, and this guy was like, hey, I'm, I'm in Australia. Uh, we're, we're doing a show in Las Vegas, and we want you to be a part of it. Can I cut, you know? Can I come and talk to you? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. As if. This yeah. is like one of those emails that you get that uh, you end up losing your life. Yeah, you're, like re-
3: you're, you're related to a Nigerian prince.
6: Exactly. So the guy comes, sees the show. I have dinner with him. He's like telling me about how he wants me to come to Vegas. I'm like, oh, okay, that's great. You know, that's, I'm going to go back to England now. And then he meets my agent in New York. And my agent's like, no, this guy's serious. So I was like, shit, everything this girl's mother (laughs) has been saying is now coming true. You're a dragon and she's a witch. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So so that was 2013. Mm -hmm. So I packed up all my stuff, signed a 10-year contract, moved to Las Vegas, and on day one, I was in this show and I was like, Oh, I don't think this is gonna last. <laughs> <'Cause laughs> Why well, was just... like a small part of right. this big show right and uh you know in Vegas it's like there's only an there's there's a narrow window of success it's a lot and, like
3: life baby
6: exactly and 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 I was looking around at the amount of people who were in the show and how much the show cost, and I was speaking to a few people and the break even for this show. Was selling hundred and four percent of tickets.
1: Mm.
6: Now, I don't know much about math, but I know <laughs> that if you have to sell hundred and four percent of something to make no money, <laughs> you're in trouble. Yeah. So uh, immediately, I started getting my green card, and then six months later, the show went down in flames. Right. Uh, and I and I was uh, stranded in Las Vegas because you know you know this this is funny about green cards. You apply and then. If they let you, they say yes, then there's this weird period where they send you a, I can't even remember what the card is called. It's like an exemption to work.
3: Yeah. It's a visa, work visa.
6: It's a work visa, something like that. But it takes three months for you to get it and you can't do anything while you're waiting. So I was just there sitting around broke, waiting for this work visa to come in, unable to leave the country (laughs) going, oh. Uh, well, this isn't quite what I expected. <laughs> okay,
3: so then I assume you got your green card.
6: Yeah, I got the green card, and the good thing was was that when I was in this show in Vegas, um, everyone in Vegas came to see the show, mm-hmm. and I was I was shooting my dog out of a cannon at the time.
3: Uh, is that is is that the Chihuahua you have now?
6: Yeah, that's the Chihuahua I have now. We did a bit where he would. Um, it was like a bullet catch. Mm-hmm. So I would get somebody on stage to uh, hold a gun to his head and, and be like, he's going to catch the bullet. Just put pull the trigger whenever you like. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then eventually we shot him out of a cannon each night, and um, he died, and then he got resurrected <laughs> uh, in the hands of the audience member who just shot him in the face. So it was... <laughs> It was a memorable bit, to say the least. But the best thing about it was I was rehearsing this for, for two months in this big, you know, they had this um, this big like rehearsal studio. Mm-hmm. And the thing about comedy is it's not funny without an audience. True. It's just saying stuff. And if the people who are watching don't think it's funny, then it's uh, it's a big problem. So I was rehearsing with this uh, this crew and this crew were just like, who is this dickhead He keeps pointing a gun at his dog and shooting him out of a cannon? This is going to go down in flames. So everyone hated me for two months. Mm-hmm. And then the show opens, and the, the whole act just kills immediately. And uh, suddenly everyone was like, oh, I guess it was funny. But most of those people had left. So they were just like, in their minds, I'm still the dickhead who was pointing a gun at a dog's face. <laughs>
3: And is that one, did Penn & Teller see that? Because that's right in their wheelhouse, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah,
6: they lo- yeah they came to the show and they loved it. And uh, people like Brad Garrett came mm-hmm. and uh, Carrot Top and Shania Twain. And uh, I suddenly started like hanging out in all these crazy places in Vegas. Like Shania Twain said to me, hey, come and, you know, like you've invited, like you've had us uh, your show. Uh, we want to invite you to our show. So I was like, okay, yeah, no problem. Uh, I'll come. And then, you know, these like crazy high profile people. They have like a whole team of, you know, they sure. have like security managers, everything. So there's the secure. I'm like dealing with her security to arrange coming. Mm-hmm. And the, this guy, he says to me, so you're going to be in the dragon outfit. <laughs> and just jokingly, I was like, what is that a request? And, uh, he was like, hang on a second. And then he came back, he's like, yes, that's a request. Shania Twain wants to come in the dragon outfit. I was like, oh, come on. So I go to see Shania Twain at the Coliseum, me in this dragon outfit with a dog in a a dragon outfit too. And in the middle of the show, she goes, this is in front of 5,000 people. She goes, hey, this evening, we've got a very special guest this evening. Please welcome on stage Piff the Magic Dragon. I'm like, oh, come on. So now I walk out go on stage with Shania Twain, we're sitting around a campfire, and we're doing a sing-along. I can't sing for shit. So I'm doing a sing-along with this dog. I leave, I go back to my seat. A horse comes on stage, because it's Vegas. <laughs> right. My dog starts losing his shit at the horse, barking, 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 after we escort him out. And then the next day on TripAdvisor, there's this review from this guy, one star, for Shania Twain. One star. One star because of your dog? No. Because of me. (laughs) He's like, Shania Twain was lovely, but then this stupid dickhead in a dragon outfit came on stage and ruined everything for me. I couldn't believe it. And they
3: asked you to do this. They asked me. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So how did you get from there to America's Got Talent?
6: So then, so so the show goes down in flames. But I was there originally. Uh, the idea was that I would do 10 minutes in this show. Uh-huh. And then after six months or so, I would start my own one hour show. Because that's what I'd done for eight years. I, in the UK, I'd done like Edinburgh every year, yeah. the Edinburgh Festival. So I, ha- so I was used to doing hour long shows. And that's what I wanted to do in Vegas an hour long show. So um, I started pitching it right, you know, go down I got no job can 't work for three months and I started pitching my show around, and these casinos started saying yes, mm-hmm. they were like yeah we we'll, we'll we'll roll the dice, and I'd get all the way to the final you know green light mm-hmm. and then something would happen like one casino uh, the president left the president who really yeah, liked yeah, me. yeah it, you know he left and it's like it's like t v networks as soon as that person goes then you you're done preach uh, the ne- the next casino got blown up. <laughs> what? You remember the Riviera? Oh, you at the exist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They were like, "Yeah, we'd love to have a magic dragon." <laughs> so I was like, "I need a way to." Uh... I was I was speaking to my therapist about this because mm-hmm. I started freaking out. It's like a year later, and now I haven't worked in a year, and I'm in another country. Nobody knows who I am. I was doing like comedy clubs for like you know, like $100 a set or something. And going, this isn't going to pay this isn't going to pay my bills.
3: Mm
6: -hmm. Like I'm basically screwed. So my therapist said to me, So what do you think you need to do? And I said, Well, basically, I need to get incredibly famous within the next four months, land my own show in Las Vegas, start touring all over the country, and make uh, an incredible amount of money to pay off all my debts. Mm -hmm. And she said, Yeah, that doesn't sound very likely. And I was like, no shit. No shit, that doesn't sound likely. But I went on America's Got Talent and um, I did this audition for them. And I wasn't sure whether I wanted to do the show or not. So I went in, did it, and they said, great, we love it. And I said, "Ah, I'm not so sure. (laughs) Okay, so you got it and now you don't want to do it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And they're they're like, why? What what happened? Because I was worried, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk out as a as a, a guy in a dragon outfit, and immediately it's gonna be, eh, uh-huh. you know, four X's. So I started saying to them, well, uh, I'm not sure how it's gonna go, uh, you know, I I don't know. I mean, if it goes badly, it's always gonna be there forever. And they said to me, they said, look if it doesn't go well, we'll just burn the footage. Mm. And I was like, well, might as well give it a shot then. So I flew, I was in Vegas and I had to be in London the next day for my only gig of the year. Mm -hmm. You know, I had like one gig in London. So I flew from new Vegas to New York overnight, didn't sleep, got off the plane, went to the studios. Um, I was like hungry, tired, grumpy uh perfect perfect material for a a dickhead dragon go in there and there's this guy called nick cannon who i have no idea who he is and he's like so you know you think this is a million dollar act i'm like hey buddy i just woke up (laughs) i'm just trying to find pizza on my way (laughs) out of here and then i go on and i start um you know i start doing this stuff and i i start just like they, they, they ask these questions, and I just start being, um, just being rude. <laughs> just right. Like, uh, and, and the audience starts laughing, and I'm like, oh, hang on a minute. This might be their platform. Right. So I just lean into it, do my act, and uh, fortunately, there were people like Howard Stern and, and Howard Mandel who loved it, and by the end of it, they were all on their feet. And I was like, oh, look, turns out America's got talent, loves dragons.
3: That's great.
6: So I did the whole thing in a sleep deprived mess, <laughs> left, went to the UK, did this gig, came back. And, um, and then I started thinking about it. And I thought, you know, in England, nobody loves a winner. Right. That's the thing. We don't like anyone who gets too big for themselves. We like second place. So I thought, wouldn't it be funny to get all the way to the finals of America's Got Talent, shoot Mr. Pibbles out the cannon, go down in flames and open a show in Las Vegas called Piff the Maddie Dragon, the loser of America's Got Talent. And, uh, and I just announced that to the producers. I said, this is my plan. And they were like, no, what? (laughs) It's a million dollars, you idiot. Why would you try and lose?
3: I can't, I'll be honest with you, John, I'm on their side. Oh,
6: I'm on their side now. (laughs) But at the time, Terry Feta had this massive billboard in Las Vegas, and it said, Terry Feta, the winner of America's Got Talent. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it'd be hilarious to have a billboard that said, Piff the Magic Dragon, the loser of America's Got Talent. (laughs) And uh, I took it too far for a joke. (laughs) But yeah, I got I got all the way to the finals of this of this thing. And then suddenly uh, I was like, oh, I've actually got a chance to win this thing. But it was too late because I committed myself to shooting a dog out of a cannon. Right. And that is not the way to win America's heart. No. So,
3: but 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 did you bring the dog back to life on the show? Yes. Uh, and they, they still didn't care. Lazarus did nothing for them.
6: Well, the problem was, was that I screwed up the magic trick of making the dog appear, and they all saw where the dog came from on uh, live TV. Ah. Uh, so, uh. because the thing is that, you know, you have like, everything's live mm-hmm. in that show, and you have like an hour to rehearse. Right. So, uh, we, had, I had a little bit of a magic snafu. And the problem with magic is it's binary. Mm-hmm. It's either on or it's off. Yeah. It's either magic or it's not. It's not like comedy, mm-hmm. where things, uh, you know, you can have like A jokes, B jokes, C jokes, and you know, a nice C joke will see you through a, a period of audience silence. No, this is either uh, it works or it doesn't. Yeah, so, yeah. But it obviously worked, man. You're
3: still in Vegas. You still got your residency. You're starting this whole tour. I have. Please, yeah. please uh, excuse my ignorance. I'm not familiar with Puddle's Pity Party. Uh, how did you meet him?
6: He was. Uh, we met in doing the Edinburgh Festival. Mm-hmm. Doing Edinburgh Fringe and touring Australia, he he was like doing hour-long shows as well. And we had the same agent, and eventually our agent was like, "Hey, you two should tour with each other."
1: Mm
3: -hmm. And
6: we were like, "Yeah, great," because you know what touring is like—it's can be miserable on the road. Yeah, yeah. I
3: I even I got friends that are touring bands and stuff. I go, "At least you two, you guys have each other," you know? Right. You know, me, it's just me and me and me, and I've I've had with me, John. Oh,
6: I'm done with myself.
3: Yeah. Let me ask yeah. do you: ever, do You ever like be, get road burn when you stay out too long? You just, you put the suit in a chair and just unload on it, like you reptile son of a bitch. You've ruined my life. Exactly. Yeah.
6: Yeah. I always said to myself because uh, I was just like, "What the hell am I doing now? I'm a guy in dragon a dragon outfit. Out. How did this happen? Right. And I was always like, you know, when this starts burning out, then uh, I got to get out of it pretty quickly. And it hasn't happened yet. Good. But uh, there is. You know, in ten years' time, if I'm there with a with some sort of like taxidermy dog, <laughs> still doing the same shtick, then it's uh, it's time well, to move. Well, no, on. you do
3: change it up. I saw a lot of the stuff you do online when I was uh, when I was doing my research on you. I do like the fact that uh, that you're friends with uh, Penn and Teller because it does fit that, that yeah that attitude.
6: Yeah, they've been mentors to me over the years because mm-hmm. because. You know, as soon as I finished America's Got Talent, like the next day I got a show at the Flamingo
3: mm-hmm.
6: um, and I was, I was just out of my depth and I was like, oh my God, what do I do now? And those two just adopted me Right. and they've uh, sort of like guided me through the whole living in Las Vegas, having, having my own show. Yeah. They've taken, they've been like mentors and best friends to me. So, you know, which is amazing because I grew up watching them.
3: Yeah, I, I I have a great uh, I have a great deal of affection for them and for what they do. And I'm glad that you found someone that that could see you through it. And that that's a tough work schedule. What do you got? 7 shows a week? 8 shows a week?
6: Oh, now it's now it's a walk in the park cuz mm-hmm. what we used to do for the first 5 years, we would do uh we do Monday through Thursday, Monday, Monday to Wednesday in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Then get a red eye, do Thursday morning press. Mhm do uh, a comedy club all weekend to Sunday fly back um Monday you know Monday morning mm. and start again in Vegas. Jeez. And we did that for we did that for about 3 or 4 years and then we started working theaters so then we were doing like Friday Saturdays but we did uh Sunday through Thursday in Vegas. So and then the pandemic hit. Yeah. So we were kind of I was like killing myself until that. So then after that uh everything calmed down a little bit. And we actually got, we were in this tiny room in the Flamingo, a little 200 seat room. Mm-hmm. And when the pandemic hit, I was like, well, shows in Vegas, aren't going to be able to come back like they did before. There's no way that you're going to get these, these shows because everything was going to be socially distant. There's no way you're going to be able to get uh, Cirque du Soleil playing for 200 people yeah. in a room. So I was like, I think they're going to say to us, Hey, can you move your show into the big theater here at the Flamingo and play for a couple hundred people? So I started developing a brand new show (laughs) with like much bigger tricks, Mm -hmm. with like much bigger illusions, pouring all my savings into it. And, uh, six months after the, after everything shut down, they they allowed shows again in Vegas but everything was socially distanced for mm-hmm. 250 people and the flamingo came to us and they said hey do you want to move into the big room and uh, if it goes well you could stay there so uh i was like yeah just so happens i've been making a making a much larger show on the just so happens that i bet everything i had on this exact outcome so we started doing it and it was brutal because about uh 3 weeks after we started they reduced it down to fifty people, oh God, and the showroom we're in seats seven hundred, mm-hmm. so we were doing shows for fifty people in a seven hundred seat showroom, and we did that for three months. Oh God, oh, it was miserable, but the but show worked was, like
3: the the, but the the show worked, yeah, that's great and now yeah, and you're still up and running. running, people can see you at the flamingo.
6: people can see us at the uh, the Flamingo showroom, which is where Donnie and Marie used to be. I'm in Marie's dressing room really yeah she had a steam shower installed it's the greatest thing ever <laughs> okay and the uh
3: your your 19 city tour the misery loves company tour uh where can people go if they want to check that out
6: they can go to piffthemagicdragon.com. i'm going to do half the set puddles is going to do the other half we're going to toss a coin to see who goes first and then we're going to do a little magic trick together
3: that's great and uh and mr and and uh, mr piffles will be there too
6: Yeah, hopefully. I mean, he's 14 and a half, so fingers crossed.
3: (laughs) All right. I can't thank you enough, my friend. I I, I really enjoyed uh, chatting with you. I really enjoy uh, your attitude and the way you do your work. So continued success and best to you and your family.
6: Thanks so much for
2: having us. You got it. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find
6: This is Piff the Maddie Dragon, and that was 30 minutes. I'll never get back.
3: How was that for connecting the dots, huh?
6: That's sure
4: <laughs> one heck of a journey, Adam. Yes, yeah. I mean,
5: it is. And it goes all the way to. <laughs> the, the Shania Twain concert. Yeah, to me, that was where the journey ultimately led him. So he's going to ruin a Shania Twain concert.
3: Yeah. All this to... happened was so, so he could <laughs> he could ruin a Shania Twain concert. That's what, <laughs> that's what God wanted. You know, you haven't seen Shania Twain since, have you? <laughs> right. There it is.
4: Well, oh. I I was on the side of what are you doing to that dog? I would have walked out too. I don't think- like. <laughs> And someone pointing a gun to the Chihuahua, coming out of the cannon, that
5: would have me out. So I just, I just love going back to the United Twain. I just love these, like, are you going to come as Piff? Uh, is that a request? Hold on. Yes, it is a request. Please come as Piff. It's like seriously, I can't just go to the show as me, yeah. man. You got to have me dress up really outfit. And he did it. He put he put on the freaking dragon outfit. He got in the cab.
3: Mm-hmm. He grabbed the dog. (laughs) He dressed up the dog.
5: Oh, man. Well, if you're going to go, you got to go all in. And he didn't
3: know she was going to bring him on stage. He's just like (laughs) his whole night consists of this. Like, oh, for God's sake. (laughs) That's
1: his whole night.
5: Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. And it's great because he already and I went back um, when I knew we were going to have him on. I went back and watched some of his stuff from America's Got Talent. And he does have that resting bitch face. You know, mm-hmm. it's just always sort of like disgusted so with everything that's going on. And I also just want to say this. He's really good. Like, that's legit magic stuff he's doing. You're like, how the hell did you just pull a card out of a closed can of dog food? Like, how did that that stuff always freaks me out? It's Very cool. <laughs> yeah, he's a
3: great, good magician. He's a funny dude. And the fact that I like when he goes, I need a costume. And his sister goes, I have a dragon costume under the bed. I stopped asking questions. I just stopped asking <laughs> questions and I put it on. And then he gets there. There's no costume party. It's just him in a dragon outfit.
4: Well, he didn't get the memo at him.
3: <laughs> yeah. And then someone said, yeah, you should do your act with this. And he's like, oh, okay. And it, one thing led to another. So he just kept going. I mean, he flipped out. He was, he, was in, he was in the United States. He couldn't work. He had no money to pay his bills. He's got to shrink because he's flipping out. And he says, listen, I got to get really famous in four months, tour internationally and pay all my bills. And the shrink went, well, that's not likely to happen. But it did. It did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next, yeah,
2: thing, it you, know,
3: you know what the next thing is for him? A
5: Disney cruise. You watch. Phil's going to be like, I got bumped for a dragon. Are you yeah. kidding
4: me? <laughs> Shoot um, Spongebob out of a cannon.
3: Yeah. That's going to, that's going to be the call. I'm going to get. A, a fr- it was between me and a dragon. It was between me and a friggin' dragon.
4: I would take a dragon.
0: Yeah.
3: But then, but then, <laughs> and, and you look at what he had to go through. I mean, I was, when he was doing like magic is a service industry. I just thought, Oh, I never
5: thought of it that way. That was a great phrase. It really was. But, he also, when he was in that sort of phase and he was doing the magic at a wedding. Yeah. I, 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 listen, I've never been married, so I haven't had that conversation of what kind of entertainment we want to have at the wedding. Did you guys consider having a magician? And would you have fired the magician during the wedding? No, I, I, I was nervous about having my family at
3: the wedding. What are you kidding me? <laughs> Well, mark you don't you be, don't... Mad, you don't, be you don't be magic. If I had my fa- the, the family was at the wedding, would be like none of my cousins tried to sleep with the bridesmaids in the coat closet. <laughs> that would have been magical <laughs> if I didn't have to put that fire out. <laughs> yeah, honey.
4: Well, nowadays people like to outdo each other at weddings. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. They're like, oh, did you hear what they did at that wedding? Oh, you know, right. They try to really outdo each other.
5: Mm-hmm. I just I had know. a comic who killed SpongeBob. Top <laughs> that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and you know the, the wife's family's going to be. You know he wanted the comic that killed SpongeBob. I said, "What about a harp player <laughs> for the Viennese Hour?" Right. You know that reminds oh. me. Remember Brent Earn's story? Just, just, just play, play
4: a fucking harp.
5: <laughs> I'm on break. You're here for forty minutes. What is your
1: break? What well, a break!
4: <laughs> I, I went to a wedding where there was a psychic reading. Really. Yeah, I thought. Oh, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> how, funny be,
3: it, how funny would be? How funny would be if, if the psychic at the wedding and he's telling everyone, "If you bought
5: gifts, hold on to the receipt." I don't have a good feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not going to work out the way you think it is, kids. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh man, but no, you're right. Like he had so much stuff, like so many headwinds, and he just didn't let any of that deter him. Yeah, you know, he just kept following. His his gut and his instinct that was like, I'm just going on this path and I, I have faith in my own abilities and and faith, I guess, maybe faith in the universe that it was going to work out his way. And and you look where he is now. I mean, that's I know you said it at the top, but that is one hell of a journey I mean, like, yeah. to go through all that stuff to get to where he is. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I you know. think
4: we all have the, that kind of motto, like you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I I don't think it was much
3: faith. It was like he not have any choice. He's like, I'm seeing you shrink because I'm flipping out. I mean, that that's just like I'll prevail. No, he's he's having a panic attack. <laughs> okay, he's flipping out. So it's it's not like you know. I know this will work out. Look, Evie, I I like I love people that bet on themselves. I love when it works out. Some people bet on themselves. Doesn't really work out. Look at Baker Mayfield. Didn't really work out for him. He not yet. Up, not yet. But right now, it's not looking good.
5: Well, he did have he's doing close up magic at a wedding. (laughs) Right. Hey, Baker, do the card trick. Come on, Mm -hmm. do the bird joke. Yeah. (laughs) That's not fair. I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, uh, quarterback for used to be quarterback. Is he still with the Browns? He's still with the Browns, yeah. As of this taping, he's still with the Browns, but he's not starting anymore.
4: This is how a lay person looks at that. He's on the NFL. That's already making it, Adam. Everything Uh else is just frosting on the cake. Mm, not really. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, that's how I would not think. Really, that. honey, look up, look up, look up Ryan Leaf. Look that up. I don't want to. Do All I right. have? No, you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> do I have to just tell me the story? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was a number one draft pick. Didn't work out.
5: All right. Yeah, mm-hmm. but to to you know, in terms of um of Piff, because I'm just going to call him Piff. Uh, in terms of him betting on himself and trusting himself. So when the pandemic had happened. And he's like, I can see how this thing is going to play out. Mm-hmm. I know what my move has to be. They're going to go into bigger rooms. So I got to get I got to come up with a bigger act. I got to I got to do all that. And invested all his money, betting that that was going to be how it played out. And that's exactly how it played out. That was a move of confidence. Yeah. And it took guts to do that, because when you're like you're putting your own money in there and if it go in a different way, you're like, well, now I'm out of luck.
4: I've had foresight you know, uh, on things that could happen. But I just never had the money to back it up.
3: Welcome and, to my world.
4: And like four <laughs> years later, you're like, wow, I thought of that before that person. If only I had the money. You know, I got news
3: for you. If glow-in-the-dark wallpaper hits, I'm going to be so mad.
4: <laughs> That's what you want?
3: glow in a dark wallpaper. It's going to kill the light bulb industry. I'm going to corner the market.
4: <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> you know how glow-in-the-wallpaper works, right, Adam? I do not. You need light to make it glow.
3: <laughs> <laughs> We're still in
5: research and development. <laughs> yeah, didn't say there weren't going to be some hurdles. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. how crazy, how crazy, by the way, was it that is that that old girlfriend back in England, the mother yeah. was like, here's why we don't like you. Yeah, <laughs> because because they could see the events before they have Like, we can't see him. She's like. Yes, we know you're going to get famous. We know that you're going to go to Las, a- Las Vegas and host your own show, and you're going to break our daughter's heart. So we don't want you around.
3: Piff. Yeah, she saw it coming. <laughs> Pip's girlfriend's mother was actually Carl Young. That's who she got. <laughs> this is called synchronicity, you <laughs> dragon son of a bitch. That's what it's called.
4: And leave my daughter alone. <laughs> leave my daughter alone. <laughs> I think what made Piff or what makes Piff so successful is his attitude. Yeah. You know, he, if something bad happened, he went, okay, let's just go the other way. It's like a pinball machine. You know, you're the ball gets to one bumper and goes to the next. And he has just a good attitude, whatever bumper he hits. And it seems like the ball went to the, you know, the perfect spot. And then he's like, okay, I'll do this. He he found his niche. He found, you know uh, what worked for him. Yeah. but.
3: I don't know if he had it while it was going on. He was flipping out.
4: Yeah, but he got through it. That's my point. He mm-hmm. got through it. And so wh- whatever he did to get through it, that's what makes a successful life, I think.
3: Mm-hmm. But, but you also got to be able to seize, op- not, not only seize opportunities, but see opportunities too. Because you don't know, like, like they asked him to do America's Got Talent. He said, no, you know. Yeah.
4: But I liked his attitude. He said, hey, if I lose... I'm gonna put a billboard. America's Got Talent loser. I mean, that was a good attitude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, but that he even, but he even said in looking back, he's like, I'm an idiot. It was a million dollars.
5: The producers told me, I'm like, yeah, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it ended up working out his favor, you know. I mean, and he bombed at the Penn and Teller thing too, and and but had that connection with him, and that helped him kind of move forward. So mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's and that's part of it too. Is like when something goes sideways is not sort of like sitting down and just saying well it's not gonna work I can't do anything and, and forget it like it's like okay well how do I turn this negative into a positive how do I find the good out of the bad that just happened and it seemed like you he, like he's always been able to do that and that's I guess one of the big reasons why you know he's in a Vegas residency and I live alone with two cats <laughs>
4: <laughs> Let me tell you you both have that goodness in you guys you guys do what you got to do every day you guys do that and i'm proud of you for doing that
3: i thank you that's very sweet i I wish there was more money in it i gotta (laughs) yeah sure that'd be nice that's (laughs) why we're selling t-shirts and there's a link to the t-shirts right in the show notes you can get them right here i want to thank piff the magic dragon for being my guest him and puddles pity party are on tour uh, and you can check that out. We'll put a link to uh, the tour right here in the show notes. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go?
4: Not at a at Gmail.
3: Thank you so much for telling somebody you love about the show. The show is growing and it's all because of you. And if you get a chance to leave us a review, that helps us with our friend.
4: Mr. Algorithm.
3: Please remember that life is hard. You take it easy on yourself. The pod has ended. Go in peace.
4: Well, did you
1: apologize? You can the you want the sponge? <laughs> the cruise director said, do you know where the sponge He told me to go get the, go get the sponge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. The sponge wasn't really SpongeBob. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Yeah, so I had to go find so it. So I found the sponge. I went back. I said, see, it's just a regular sponge. It wasn't really SpongeBob. And they're six years old. They don't know. But you should fill. you're a grown-ass man.